Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad that you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We stand in the stream of a heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It makes an enormous difference in the way that we are in the world when we believe that in our heart. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship is introduced by the great ancient Persian poet, Rumi. Only breath. Not Christian or Jew or Muslim, not Hindu, Buddhist, Sufi, or Zen, not any religion or cultural system. I am not from the East or the West, not out of the ocean or up from the ground, not natural or ethereal, not composed of elements at all. I do not exist. I am not an entity in this world or the next. Did not descend from Adam and Eve or any origin story. My place is placeless, a trace of the traceless, neither body or soul. I belong to the beloved, have seen the two worlds as one, and that one call to and know first, last, outer, inner, only that breath-breathing human being. There is a way between voice and presence where information flows. In disciplined silence it opens. With wandering talk it closes. Unitarian Universalists come to church and they call themselves, we call ourselves Unitarian Universalists, uh, which translates one God, no hell, basically. And... um, And yet we have our roots in Christianity, Judaism, Buddhist practice, earth-centered religions, humanism. We have our our religious roots in many different traditions. There are many things that hold us together, one of which is our mission that we say together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Take a deep breath with me. As we enter into the quiet, we breathe into that center place in ourselves where we are, who we are. We breathe into that place where we can speak to God as we understand God or Listen to our inner wisdom, or just breathe. 
We open our hearts to the world during this time. We hold in our hearts people who are afraid, who are ill, terrified, in harm's way because of natural disasters or war. We hold in our hearts gratitude for everyone who is trying to make the situation better. In the quiet, may we become clearer, calmer. May we receive insight and wisdom. May we be healed. Let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist loving kindness or metta meditation. We say this through three times. I'll say a line and you say it after me, should you choose to. The first time is for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time we say it for someone we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. The third time, as a spiritual exercise, we say this for someone against whom we have a resentment. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. I hadn't heard much about humanism um, until I became a Unitarian Universalist minister. I was a Presbyterian minister for 15 years, and I went to Presbyterian Seminary at Princeton, And we didn't learn much about humanism. Um, I learned a little about how secular humanists were trying to take over the school system. And how they swore that their system of thought was not a religion, but that it really was. Um, But that's about it. So I had some studying to do, and I picked up um, Kurt Vonnegut's book, Man Without a Country. And he talked about his parents and grandparents being humanists and what it was to be raised humanist. And he um, talked about presiding over Isaac Asimov's funeral. 
and bringing the crowd to its knees by saying, well, Isaac is in heaven now. And he said that he hopes that that's what would be said at his funeral too. Kurt's in heaven now. Um, and it was funny to them because humanists uh, have a reputation for being a little bit derisive about religion, some humanists. And so uh, I want to tell you that not all humanists are derisive about religion. Um, when I became a minister in a little church in South Carolina, I subscribed for the church to a magazine called The Humanist. And it was a um, really good magazine. I don't know how many of you get it or even whether it's still going. I hope it is. They had interviews with An Sung Suu Kyi and they had interviews with Alice Walker and they had wonderful columns about um, ethics and news and there was a watch on the right column in every issue talking about what was going on in the right wing at that time, and they talked about, um, there was a definition of humanism, the inside cover that I loved. Humanism is a rational philosophy informed by science, inspired by art, motivated by compassion. Affirming the dignity of each human being, it supports the maximization of human liberty and opportunity, consonant with societal and planetary responsibility. It advocates the extension of participatory democracy and the expansion of the open society, standing for human rights and social justice. Free of supernaturalism, it recognizes human beings as part of nature and holds that values, be they religious, ethical, social, or political, have their source in human nature, experience, and culture. And if you can believe it, it goes on, but... They need to work on a mission statement like you guys worked on yours. So another thing that I learned is that the Humanist Manifesto was written in 1933, and there were many Unitarians in the group that wrote it. It was supposed to be, meant to be, a standalone uh, movement. But really, the Unitarian Church kind of took it over. And humanism and Unitarianism were almost inseparable for decades, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. And now in most Unitarian churches, and I talk to my Christian friends and they're amazed because I say, well, well, the older people in every Unitarian congregation are more likely to be humanists. And they're like, really, the older people are humanists and the younger people are, have beliefs that the older people don't have? And I said, well, that's, that's how it is in many Unitarian Universalist congregations. Um, so in the 30s, 40s, 50s, most of the ministers were um, humanists and most of the sermons were very humanist. And now in these days, sometimes the humanists are starting to feel a little like dinosaurs in the movement because most of the ministers coming out of seminaries now um, want to talk m way more about God than the humanists are comfortable with. But, uh, so I'll tell you a story about General Assembly many years ago, five or six when I was in a ministers-only meeting and we were talking about, um, we were having a workshop on the problem of evil um, and belief in God. And so they put up 
many different ways of believing in God on the, on the bulletin board. We all brainstormed because, you know, you use, we love to brainstorm. And we were like, um, okay, there is no God. And then the next column was, uh, God created the world, but is not in it. Um, God created the world and runs it. God is in everything. God is everything. So those were our choices. I may have left a couple out, but I don't think so. And then we divided up by which one we believed. They said, this table will be the God created everything, blah, 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 blah. This table will be this. And um, there were 200 ministers <laughs> crowded around the God is in everything table. And then there were five guys in the there is no God table. Five elderly retired Unitarian ministers with sparkly blue eyes and white hair. You know how they are. And, um, and then we were given the problem of evil to talk about. Okay, if this that you believe is true, how do you address the problem of evil? So the ministers at the God is in everything table, we wrestled. I mean, we wrestled. So if God is in everything, is God also in the cancer cell? Is God also in the terrible uh, mind of a, of a torturer? Is God in uh, all the destructive things that happen? Or is God just in, you know, the dolphins and the sunsets? Like people say, you know, I can't see a dolphin without believing in God. It's like, yeah, but... Uh, you also have to go, if God is in nature and nature is so beautiful, you just got to stay in nature long enough till you see the whole thing. And then if you say God is in that, then you're good. And as we were wrestling, really sweating, the guys over at the There Is No God table were laughing. Not at us, they were just having a conversation. And so when it came time to report, you know, we delegated one person from each table to report. You know how those things go. So we were reporting our findings. And it came time for them to report. And they were like, well, there is no God, so evil's not a problem. It just either is or it isn't. And nothing we can do about it except what's right in front of us. So the rest of the time we talked about golf. I was a little jealous. <laughs> Nowadays, I would say probably 30% of every Unitarian Universalist congregation would identify as humanist. It's a movement of hope. It's a movement of good sense, of fresh air clearing away what people felt was the stuffiness, rigidity, and destructiveness of superstition and dogma. One of the major voices of humanism in the 30s was John Dewey, who wrote a book called A Common Faith. And he pointed out, as many of the neo-atheists do today, all the destruction that's happened in the name of religion. Um, And religious beliefs can and do cause pain. People get separated from one another over differences in beliefs. They kill each other over those. They throw each other's... uh, they throw each other out of families and they, uh, they're disappointed when we become Unitarian Universalists. Most of the original Humanist Manifesto was about beliefs. It was very much from here up. It was, uh, we don't believe that, we believe this instead, and if you believe that, then there's these problems, and believing this frees you from those problems. But... Um, 
then we have humanists like William Schultz, who was president of the UU denomination many years ago, and he said, well, what do you do about the rest of life in that people do have religious experiences? People do feel the mystery. People do need more. He quotes in a column he did for the UU World magazine on, online. You can find it. Um, he says, you know, when Pooh was stuck in the door to Tigger's house, I believe it was, he asked for a book to be read to him that would comfort a bear who was in a position of very much stuckness. And Schultz had the opinion that the humanists really, all they would have to offer Pooh in a very stuck position was advice about how to get unstuck and saying, well, you know, life is difficult, but one must dance anyway. And he said that is not as, as inspiring as he would like, and that that is a lack he felt in humanism. So he calls himself... Um, religious humanist because he wants to leave room for the mystery. Everyone can empathize with the humanists who were frustrated by the stranglehold that religion had on the law and culture of this country. Margaret Sanger, and we talked about several weeks ago, was ruthlessly hounded by the religious folk in Boston and other places, even though she was trying to keep women from dying. You remember Joycelyn Elders, who was fired from her job for advocating sex education. I'm so glad that our laws no longer are in the stranglehold of religious thought. <sighs> Many of my friends are AIDS educators, and they were so happy when um, Joycelyn Elders decided she wanted to talk frankly about sex and birth control, and they were so chagrined um, with the situation that remains, where in most states you're only allowed to talk about abstinence in the schools, only abstinence, and that abstinence is the way to prevent AIDS. And they would say, actually yell at the TV, um, go to the neonatal intensive care unit and tell that to the babies with AIDS. They should have been abstinent. How are you going to... So we have this struggle. We want uh, a faith. We want a movement where we can be rational, where we can lift up our intelligence, where we can be free of superstition, and yet we want a movement that is scientific enough 
to speak about the experiences that people have, the experiences of mystery, transcendence, and wonder, which is one of the sources of Unitarian Universalism. We want to be able to speak about it. We don't want to have to be in the closet about any religious experience we might have had for fear that we will be derided by the other people in our Unitarian Universalist congregation. So we do not want to be a congregation like that. Unitarian Universalist congregations vary widely about how uh, much room there is for people to speak about religious experience. Um, I uh, I have been in one, I speak all over the country, and I was in one Unitarian Universalist congregation um, that gave me a list of words that I must not say <laughs> in their meeting room during my address. It was not a sanctuary, it was not a sermon, and I was not to wear a robe, and I was not to speak about uh, anything religious. But I was only speaking there one time, so I wore my robe and I had a good time. <laughs> I love that humanism says we should not wait to be saved by God. We should not wait for the earth to be saved by God. I grew up with people, bless their hearts, who were, who were sanguine about pollution and about war because you know, Jesus was coming back soon and it would all be fixed. And did I really think that God would put together a world in such a way so that human pollution could change the ozone layer? Really? It was God changing the ozone layer, I guess. And, um, I heard one guy say, um, we, we don't want to fix up a condemned building. So let's not work on the earth. Now I have to say now, Many evangelicals are taking on good stewardship of the earth as one of their platform principles, which is great. And in a Presbyterian church, I heard this story, um, which many of you have heard, where you say, don't, you know, don't wait for God to save the situation. And it's like the preacher who was in a flood in Boulder, Colorado, just recently, and um, he was uh, on the roof of his home with the floodwaters boiling around just feet from him, and... Um, and he was saying, God, please save me. And, and so these guys came by in a rowboat and said, Preacher, you want to jump in? And he's like, no, 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 God's going to save me. And they were like, okay. And they went on and the floodwaters encroached. And uh, another boat came along. Preacher, come on, get in. It's, it's, it's about too late. And no, no, God's going to save me. Uh, next, thirdly, this uh, helicopter came. Hovered over, Preacher, we're going to lower you a rope. No, no, God's going to save me. And then the floodwaters uh, swept him away, and he drowned, and he got to the heavenly pearly gates. And God said, uh, I, you weren't supposed to be here. And he said, you were supposed to save me. So I guess sent two boats and a helicopter. What do you <laughs> So we're obviously, um, the Christians teach that we're not supposed to wait for God like that. And the humanists also. So the values of humanism are kindness, uh, common sense, decency, health, happiness, respect, compassion. The humanism celebrates a sense of awe and wonder in relationship to nature, 
Nature's beauties and terrors are obvious and lead to natural piety and a sense of wonder, they say. And there's room in humanism for a sense of something larger than yourself, the community, the world, nature. Some people call themselves spiritual humanists. And yet, still, some people long for uh, the magic of belief, even within humanism. They say, while humanism gives a nod to art, it lacks an aesthetic sense. Its language was crisp, but its rhythm was flat. I think the humanists are still evolving, and I think that they will get better language. And I think those of us who hold humanism dear will find ways of being spiritual humanists or spirited humanists or mystic humanists. I think, um, you know, I am a person who has a belief in a higher power. I'm not, I don't usually say God because God has a lot of pictures that already come with that word. But to me, God is being, like uh, I believe with the Hindus on that, being is in everything. And God is love. And that love is somehow a powerful force in our world and is in everything, even the cancer cells. So maybe we should talk about that someday. So I agree with the humanists about figuring things out for ourselves, loving our fellow humans and not making our religion hurtful. So when you're poo and you're stuck in a very tight place and none of the advice helps you get out, What do we say to you, Pooh? I think we gather around Pooh and say, you're not here by yourself, man. We're right here with you. Somebody's coming with soap. We read to him and we sing to him till we get him out. But we don't feed him because I think that was the problem in the first place. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'll be happy to hear what you think. Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.